good morning, church. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, we are in week six of our sermon series, looking at some of the parables that Jesus told as he taught about the principles of God. Jesus used these parables or short stories to unfold the deeper principles of faithfulness and fruitfulness. In each of these stories that we have looked at, Jesus is teaching about what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's been talking about God's love and his grace and that he is always at work in the little things and in the big things, that he's always moving and making room. He's always growing things into fruitfulness, always hiding away treasures in places we don't even think to look, always giving us opportunities to increase our investment, to enlarge our reach, to be more about the things of God in our everyday lives. And so today we're going to look at the parable of the ten virgins, which Lois just read to you, but really to truly understand what's happening here in Matthew 25, we need to get the background, the context in which Jesus told this parable. And so we really need to begin in Matthew 24. So I'm going to read the entire chapter of Matthew 24 to you. So bear with me. There's a lot there, but there's a lot of good stuff there. Scripture says this, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth. No, not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over and persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down and take anything out of his house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be for those in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not play, take place in the winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be great distress, unequaled, from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, not one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is, in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so it will be, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there will be vultures. Their vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. 
At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and with great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four, from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all things, when you see all these things, know that it is near right at the door. I should have brought my glasses today. <laughs> I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, and one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know what day or hour the Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at, at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all the possessions. But suppose that the servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of the servant will come on that day when he does not expect him. And at that hour, he is not aware. And he will cut him to pieces and assign him the place with hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there is a lot there. And I just want to kind of stop for a minute. We're not going to go over everything because I would not even pretend for a moment that I can understand or interpret everything that Jesus is saying here. But there are a few things in that text that stand out to me. And I think we need to understand that as we look at this parable that Jesus is telling. So Jesus says, watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. So maybe like me, when you hear that, you think, well, I don't know anyone claiming to be Christ. Most leaders who rise to prominence for their beliefs don't usually identify themselves with Jesus. In fact, often they do the exact opposite, right? But God showed me this way. It's not so much that people are going to be deceived so much by one person making this bold claim about themselves as I am the Christ, but it will be the many that come saying things like, do you think God would want you to be happy? Or well, just do what feels right for you. You see, sentiments like that are a misrepresentation of who God is. And God does want us to be happy, but he is very much about the path that leads to happiness. Yes? yes. 
It's not about indulging in every turn in the things that make you feel good. If it feels good, do it is not a biblical principle. God knows that happiness comes from cultivating a humble heart and a self-sacrificing attitude. Happiness comes not by gathering things to us, but by letting things flow through our hands to be a blessing to others. Happiness comes from living and walking in the ways of God, on the road of righteousness, and not from listening to the wisdom of the world that tries to imitate the purposes of God with sentiments like... God wants you to be happy, so if it makes you feel happy, go ahead and do it. That is deceiving, and it is misleading, and many come and claim equality and justice and fairness, and they, they claim that God would have us live and walk in these ways that sound noble and true, but so often create a lack of accountability, an attitude of disrespect, and a constant pushing away of the word of God and the truth and the conviction that God speaks through his word and instills in our hearts through his spirit. Many will come in my name claiming that they know my ways, but they will lead people astray. Many will be deceived by those doctrines that resemble the ways of God, but exclude him from the equation. You see, I believe that's how we will see this claiming, I am the Christ. Not so much one person saying the words, but these misrepresentations in the many different levels of our society. And Jesus' words to us are this, watch out that no one deceives you. Stay deeply connected to his word and his ways because many will come with words that sound pleasing and arguments that make sense, but they are deceptive. And at the core, they are aimed at ripping you away from the strength and the hope and the peace that you have in Jesus. Watch out. Be on guard. Do not be deceived. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes. And all of these things are a reality of life in this world. They are the consequences of choices and, the, and of the passage of time. Things will happen and we will see these things all around us and they are happening even now. But this is only the beginning of the birth pains. And persecution is coming at greater levels than we can even understand. And the evil of this world will more forcefully try to wipe the people and the power of God off the planet. Many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And I don't know how much of your life you have spent in the business of church or in the practice of religion, but I can tell you that this has been going on for years. God's people turning away from faith and trust in him and relying on their own wisdom and their own way, betraying and hating each other. He goes on to say false prophets will appear and will deceive many. The increase of wickedness in this world will cause the love of most to grow cold. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but the world is getting colder and harder every day. People are more engaged in tearing one another down and spreading rumors and perpetuating evil and ugliness, bullying, threatening, and killing. Those things are killing the spirit of goodness and grace. Little children are being targeted. Identities are being stolen. Attacks are being launched. Wickedness is increasing and causing the love of many to grow cold. 
But Jesus says those who stand strong and cling to the word and the ways of God and the truth of who he is and the reality of the blood of Jesus shall be saved, shall be rescued, shall be made new. They shall always know his goodness and his grace for the plans and purposes of God will not be silenced. His word will continue to go out. His love and his life will continue to be made known to the ends of the earth. And then the end of days will come. And we can see seasons of this, but we will never know the day nor the hour. Not even the angels in heaven know the hour or the day of his return. It will be like a blink of an eye, like a snapshot in time. And, and those who are the people of God will be taken at once, like, like beat me up, Scotty. Two men will be out at work in a field, one of them taken and the other left, and we do not know the day or the hour, but he will come. And if we knew when he was coming, we could be prepared. We could be ready, just like the owner of the house would be ready to catch the thief if he knew the day and the time that he was coming to break into the house. We should always be prepared because we do not know the day or the hour when Jesus will return at the end of the age. We must always be prepared like soldiers standing watch, never knowing when the enemy will rise up, but always prepared for action. We must keep watch and remain diligent. And so this is the context of the conversation that Jesus is having as he shares this parable of the ten virgins that, that Lois had read to us. This is the context of that conversation. And at that time that the Son of Man returns, when Jesus steps on the scene to reconcile the world to the ways of God, this is what it will be like, he says. And I don't think that we really have a firm understanding of the bride waiting anxiously for the arrival of the bridegroom. See, because our culture is very different from the culture that Jesus is speaking to, but the, the vision is that you are anxiously awaiting the one that you love and long for with great intensity and hope. And you do not know the day or the time of his arrival. You only know that it is the season, that the scene is set and his coming is near. And so you go out to meet him like the ten virgins go out with their lamps and and so that kind of is a little bit foreign to us. Maybe if we imagine it this way. You take the trip to the airport. You sit at the security gate and all the travelers exit and you wait to see your beloved. Day after day and night after night with great expectation, having no idea of the day or hour of his coming, you wait and so in your waiting, you are either like the five wise virgins who, or the five foolish virgins. You've either come with everything you need to wait or you have not. So did you bring enough money so that you'll have enough to eat? Did you bring your cell phone charger? Did you bring a change of clothes? Did you bring your toothbrush and your pillow and your warm blanket? Did you come prepared to wait long enough did you come with everything that you needed? Or did you come with $20 in your pocket, an extra t-shirt, and an inflatable pillow? <laughs> and after about three days, you're broke, and you're hungry, and you stink. <laughs> and you're trying to, to get in good with those around you who are more prepared for the waiting because you, you just didn't know that it would be this long. 
And so you're, you're kind of like, hey, can I borrow that extra blanket that you have? And uh, hey, can I have those French fries that, that you're not going to eat? You see, that's not a very good illustration or interpretation of the parable, but it helps us to get a clearer picture in the culture in which we understand, yes? yes? And see, the reality of this parable, the reality of the message is this. Are you taking God seriously? Are you living your life every day in such a way that he is being glorified and honored and lifted up? Because if you are living your life like that, then you won't have a thousand loose ends to tie up at the last minute when the trumpet sounds. But if you're not taking God seriously in your everyday eating, sleeping, walking around life, then you will be like the one at the airport who has to run to the ATM to get money for the food court. And when you return, you will find out that you had missed your opportunity because you did not come prepared. You didn't think that you would have to wait so long. You didn't think that God cared about the details of your life, your choices, your decisions, your direction, your words, your heart. You didn't take God seriously. You thought you'd have plenty of time to tie up the loose ends and to get your life in order. And we do not know the day or the hour of Jesus' return or of our own time on this earth. And that's all the more reason to take God seriously to be about his business, to order our lives by his ways, to walk in his truth, to respond to his word, to live out his love. And that does not mean that we will do everything right. It doesn't mean that we won't mess up and trip over our sins and ourselves. Because being prepared isn't about being perfect, it's about being transformed. It's about striving every day to know him more and to walk in obedience to his ways. It's about learning to trust him and, and living to lean on him and be willing to be consumed by his love and his purpose and his presence. It's about being instruments through which he can move on this earth and reach out to others and extend grace and peace and mercy. It's about being teachable and flexible as we chase after the face of God, living in such a way that when people come to know us, it will cause them to give glory to God for who he is and how he shines through us. Amen. You see, church, time is short. Too short not to take God seriously and to live our lives for his glory. For truly, he alone is worthy. He is faithful. He is true. He is Jehovah, the great I am. He is provider. He is healer. He is the Lord, our banner. He is the Lord, our peace. He is the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, our shepherd. The Lord, our host. The Lord, most high. The God who sees and knows and loves. Who is everlasting, never changing, always working. There is none like him. He is greater and stronger and higher. So to him be glory forever and forever and forever. Amen? Amen. And may we live to bring him glory and always be ready for when he comes again. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you 
And we praise you for this day, for the opportunity that you give us to come around your word, for the opportunity that you give us to come into the, to the fellowship of believers, for the opportunity that you give us to be your followers. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even though sometimes it's a difficult word to hear, sometimes we don't understand the meaning of what you're saying. If we will just listen to your spirit, if we will just follow after your face, you will help us understand the importance of our days. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to consider the message that you've given us today in your parables and in the context in which Jesus is speaking these parables into. God, we're, we're so grateful that we have this word to learn from, that we have this word, to, this word to live out, that we have your word to give us strength and help and hope. God, I pray that you would be at work in each and every one of our lives. God, that you would help us to see those places that maybe we're not prepared, those, those loose ends that we would want to tie up if something were to happen, if the day and hour of your coming were very, very close. God, we're never going to know how many how many moments we have on this earth, whether it be death that takes us or whether it be your glorious coming that is at the end of the age. God, I pray that you would help us to number our days. I pray that you would help us to use our words and to use our lives to give you glory and to help others come to know you better. God, we are so grateful for the reality of your love and your grace and your truth. I pray that you would be with us in this day and in the days and weeks to come. And God, we are so very grateful for all you are and all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.